With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined as always by my co-hosts, Matt Fortuna in Chicago. And today, uh, a special guest, a return guest, although uh, definitely in a different position in college football than the last time he was on the show. Um, no longer in South Bend in Nashville and his uh, head coach's office, Clark Lee. Um, Clark, I guess, thanks for uh, taking some time for us on a kind of a ridiculous week <laughs> in the college football calendar. Um but it's been, I, I got to think, like a, a very uh, uplifting season for you guys down there. Um, you know, I was down there for the, your first game and to sort of see where that program has come from a distance with wins over Kentucky and Florida. I would imagine you have to feel kind of heartened that a very big program rebuild is is kind of has some foundation being laid. Yeah, we're, you know, we're taking ground. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's never going to happen as fast as you want it to. And um, we, we understand that we can't skip steps here either. So we have to be deliberate and intentional. Um, but pleased with the progress, understand that there's obviously a lot more to, to, um, to shoot for, to aim for, to achieve. And, you know, for me right now, it's obviously we're dealing with finishing up with recruiting. It used to be you in the season, you got some time to put your feet up now everything seems to speed up once this, once the games are done being played. But um, I'm excited to turn the page to January and, and start working on team three here and, and um, seeing if we can't make that next leap as a program. By the way, I, I was under the, under the impression that I was on the three bald guys podcast today. Not <laughs> you know. We wanted to, the initial name for this podcast was uh Domes oh. on domers, or, yes. Um, yes. but like the the higher ups at the athletic vetoed the idea. I think it was a little too kitschy for them. So yeah, yeah, we went the shamrock. Mm-hmm. We, we, we can uh, we can keep that name alive in spirit with guests like Clark Lee here. <laughs> right, <laughs> Clark. What was you know you guys were playing some of your best ball down the stretch there. Wins over Kentucky. Wins over Florida. When you're undertaking a rebuild, the, the magnitude of the one you, you took over there, Vanderbilt, what, what's kind of the hardest part and most gratifying part of keeping everyone locked in, especially late in the season, convincing these guys that they're in the right direction, even if the win-loss record doesn't necessarily reflect that all the time? Yeah, I mean, that's a challenge. And I think the the biggest part is, you know, and I, I you, you learn a lot, you know, as you reflect back, but consistency in language and messaging, um, not deviating, you know, we've never, whether we've gotten beat, you know, about 50 points or, you know, when we've won on last second field goals or when we played games close, you know, we've never, we've never changed our process, you know, adjusting and adapting is, is inevitable, but it's never been, we come in and say, you know, this isn't working, let's try something else. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with just um, the faith that I have and what we're, what we're doing and the way we're doing it. Um, so consistency that way, um, you know, there was a point for us in the season, it was the Missouri game where, you know, we were down 17, nothing at halftime 
and you just you know that that's a game that has a chance to get away from you if you don't if you don't come out in the right state of mind to compete in the second half um and we we did we did that i thought the defense took over in the second half we scored a defensive touchdown we were able to you know we you keep waiting on the big play on offense and you expect it to be something spectacular we throw a hitch on the perimeter and went win a one-on-one uh break a tackle and score an 80 yard touchdown next thing you know we have a, the ball in a four minute or to me a two minute drive at the end of the game to to uh score to go ahead and we fell short but that game coming out of it you know i was really concerned about the mindset of the team because that was one obviously that was winnable that we let get away um and yet what i saw on the performance was evidence that we actually had moved forward and we 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 come closer to the team that we can be. And that was, um, you know, I thought that was a pivotal moment. We were heading into a, another bye week and I needed to be on point with my message to them just to say, hey, what my experience tells me is that we're so close. And when you're close and you, you haven't yet uh, had the breakthrough moment, you have two choices. You can walk away and, um, and you know, never really understand how close you were. Or you can, you know, you can swing the hammer a little harder and, um, and that's what I challenged them to do. And, you know, we were able to do that. And, you know, obviously the two wins against league opponents, one on the road against the top 25 team, one at home, that meant a lot to us. And I think is a, you know, a great thing for us to, to, um, you know, build forward um, from. I, I wanted to ask you about post game. You're on the field in Lexington doing, doing the interview. I, I can't remember who the sideline reporter was, but like, it was kind of like how emotional you got was really kind of one of those reasons why college football is awesome. Um, Cause like you're trying to coach 85 or 105 kids to like achieve something that, uh, you know, at, at Vanderbilt, I mean, you, a lot of these kids have been told they can't do it. Um, I was interested like what that moment uh, was like for you in it and then as you as you reflect back on it with a little bit of distance yeah um so i think you make an interesting point there uh pete where it's um you know when you're at notre dame you there's a there's a certain expectation that you step into every day and i think sometimes that can even become a negative if you let it you know you can lose yourself in the history of the program um you know if if, if you're not care careful um and and feel validated by the history of the program if you're not careful i think that was a little bit about where we were when when i got there after the 2016 season and we had to reclaim kind of the the foundation the foundational work the attitude that that uh playing at notre dame was about here it's different you know here you battle external noise that tells you what you can accomplish and um there is no sense of validation you got to create your own value in this program by what you are willing to sacrifice and invest in, you know, before there's evidence that that investment's paying off. And so um, that's hard for humans to do. It's hard for adults to do, um, to see to see young men, um, you know, fight with that level of belief is emotional. I mean, I, you know, I, I, um, I, I was true to myself in that moment. I probably could have had the sim- similar emotions after the Florida game too, just because it, it all, I mean, you, there's so much time and love invested in these, you know, in these projects that, uh, to see, to see the breakthrough moment, um, it's special. And so, um, you know, I, I think, um, I was, 
in hindsight, just glad that I was able to make it through the interview. Uh, because again, <laughs> how I felt, you know, was uh, overcome, overwhelmed with emotion. And, and all the emotion is rooted in seeing people not give up, seeing people stay faithful, seeing people continue to believe when anymore, it's so easy just to, to, you know, to turn and walk away from it or to, you know, act like, you know, apathetic towards what we're doing. These, these kids continue to invest the coaching staff continue to invest. And, you know, those are, those are moments that, you know, I think you said it makes college football special. I mean, that, you know, that that's the reason you take on any challenge is to, is to find those moments and to celebrate them. Two images I did not expect to see this year. Clark Lee choking up in a sideline interview at Vanderbilt. Brian Kelly choking up in a sideline interview at LSU. But here we are. BK's um, happened before me. And so I felt like it, if he were able to do it, then I, then I certainly can get You know, I'm, the other thing, too, and this, this is something that I, I don't think many people know about me just because there's a persona. Like there's this kind of cartoon character that people like to talk about but I'm a pretty emotional person and it's not, it's, you know, I often will with the team and with the players kind of, you know, show a level of emotion with them. And so I don't think that they were, they were so surprised by that, but certainly there was, I think a, a subset of fans that were alarmed that I was, uh, that well, you have quite some Notre Dame flavor on your staff, Nick Lazitsky, Larry Black, Jimmy Thompson, Michael Schull, who's listening in right now as well, um, and Greer Martini. How influential, how important has it been to have guys that you worked with and coached at Notre Dame as you undertake this job and, and progress in this job at Vanderbilt? Yeah, so the other one, too, Molly Hart, who is our senior manager, is is my executive assistant and okay. kind of right hand in this. So, it, um, you know, certainly, you know, we have to, you know, I, I learned a lot at Notre Dame. I learned a lot about what, you know, success looks like at a school that values both education and, and football. Um, there's a there's a formula there where they're going to never lose themselves in, you know, what what has become just like an ever shifting landscape. You know, there's a true identity, and I we needed to capture that here too. I also um, I think with any relationship you build trust, there's an understanding, and so where there's a certain part of your staff you're going to have to educate on, Hey, this is how we do things. And this is why we do them. It wasn't a carbon copy of what Brian Kelly did. You know, there's certainly, you know, people would recognize parts of our program in what, in what he built at Notre Dame, but you know, this also needs to be uniquely mine and have my fingerprints. And so people that were coached by me that know, you know, the, the methods or that I trained as part of our staff, um, they can help articulate and communicate, to the other members of the staff, you know, what, what my perspective is, or, you know, um, ch check the boxes that I need checked, even when I'm not in the room. And so, you know, look, I've built a lot of trust. I mean, Nick Lazinski was my, you know, right, right hand at Notre Dame. He was my assistant. He, you know, he took a, a large, um, you know, uh, uh, responsibility for the linebackers as I was, as I was learning how to coordinate. He was my therapist at times too, I, and I certainly needed that. Um, and so you build trust and relationship. Larry Black, the same. I feel fortunate to um, to have those guys with me, and and we've been strengthened by their presence because of you know our, our personal histories with each other. Clark, I think the last time we talked was in about March, and it was for a story I was working out about like what first time head coaches at the Power Five level 
don't know when they get there and what you have to figure out first. And I think one of the things that you really, you said in that interview that has sort of stuck with me as I've watched Marcus Freeman here is sometimes you have to be, you have to figure out, you got to be the head coach that your team needs, not necessarily the head coach that you want to be. Um, and I think we talked a little about you headbutting somebody uh, in your first year at Vanderbilt. And like, you may be emotional, but I, I the headbutt seemed like, uh, you know, well, that was maybe a, a little extra. <laughs> um, I, and I don't know how much you followed Notre Dame this year. You've got your own stuff going on at Vanderbilt. But like, just, you know, from a distance, what I know, you know, Marcus a little bit, but like, what have you seen in terms of how he's learned, how he's sort of had to figure things out here? Because you know what a complicated job Notre Dame is. I mean, you watch Brian Kelly do it for a few years successfully. Um, what have you sort of taken in from from Marcus as a as a first time head coach up here? Well, look, we. I mean, I certainly follow that program. There's, you know, a, a, a large number of players that are still there that that I was you know, a part of their recruiting and um, just have a lot of affection for the program in general. So we're, we're going to always pull for the Irish. Um, but, um, you know, early on, I know they, they, they struggled um, to get traction. And the, the first thing is just winning's hard. And I, and I do, you know, believe that um, I forget what the streak was Pete with respect to, consecutive home wins but I, I believe we went from like 17 against georgia and then we didn't lose again in my time there at home i don't think yeah it was uh it went all the way to the oh, cincinnati game i think it was 20 because i mean the two most remarkable streaks that brian kelly had was like it was a 26 game win streak at home and then i think it was a 42 straight game win streak against unranked opponents which like i think on the surface people take us like well of course you're going to beat unranked opponents but like it was more than double what the next streak was, which shows you how hard that was. And then, and, you know, Marcus Freeman has to pick that stuff up. We, I learned quickly that you get everyone's best shot at home. I mean, there's no one that walks into that environment with any other intention than to beat you. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. And so um, I think in 2018, if you look at that season that we had, just the number of close, the margins were very thin. I think about the Virginia Tech win at home we had in 2019. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's just so many of those examples where we found ways to win games. And I, I do believe that that was a reflection of a culture that had been um, really put through trials and, and stayed together. And, and, um, and, and you know, you, you ride that culture to, to uh, win in those close games. Marcus is going to do a great job there. He already has. I, I believe that the, the way they redirected um, at the middle of the season and, you know, it seemed like they finished stronger. You know, I think so much of it, and Pete, you were here for my first game. We lost to East Tennessee State in a game that wasn't close, you know. Mm -hmm. and, um, you you want to have all the answers right away. You you want to live up to the hype around, you know, who you are and how you coach. The truth is the head coach probably gets a little too much credit when things are going well and, and, um, and, and is too quickly, you know, blamed as incompetent when things aren't going well. You know, this is all a journey and, you know, you can't change your starting point. What you can do is is take the learning forward and continue to evolve, evolve the team forward um, to um, to improve the product. I feel like that's what he did and that's what he'll continue to do. He's a smart guy who the one thing that's impressed me the most and I've learned more about this um, through interacting with players 
less necessarily from interacting with uh, Coach Freeman, but um, you know he cares about people. And when I left Notre Dame, I you know one of the things that was important to me was yeah I was hopeful that whoever was stepping into that role next was going to really look after the guys that were there because it's such a special group. I felt really comfortable with him when when we visited in his process of interviewing and you know I feel like if you if you're building authentic relationships and you're keeping your priorities straight you know you, you're gonna in time um actualize the vision you have it just it does take time and we want it to be we want it to happen faster and you know he took over for a head coach that you know has, has done it for a really long time and done it successfully and you know just i think you as good as we think that we are, me included, you know, I wanted to coach the team better in that East Tennessee State game, but there was nothing I could do on that sideline except for realize that this is our starting point. And now it's about how, how do I find the things that the little dials to turn, you know, so that we can, we can amplify our, you know, team as we move through the season. That headbutt happened um, in, a, in a game where we came from behind and won on a last second field goal at home against UConn for our second win of the season. Um, that was, that was what I was celebrating with a headbutt. And again, cause I realized at that point, I can't take winning for granted. You just don't get enough opportunities to do that. So we're going to celebrate it, whether that's physically or emotionally. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. UConn's going to play Marshall here in a couple hours after we record this. Perfect symmetry with that answer that started off with a loss to Marshall and a win over <laughs> UConn. Uh, but in keeping with the schedule theme, Clark, I'm curious, uh, you know, any, any new jobs tough, any rebuilds tough? This year alone, you had Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee, and you can argue that Alabama was the worst of those three. How difficult is it? I know the SEC's tough. I know everyone in the SEC loves to tell us how tough it is. But as someone who's actually in it and has to gear up for opponents like that, darn near every other week, how do you manage expectations? How do you get the guys playing their peak week in and week out against that kind of slate of opponents? Yeah, I'm still unpacking what those games meant for us. Um I think there's I think that the 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 learning or the takeaway is gonna go way deeper than boy that you know those are really good programs. Um has to, it has to, because we're still closing that gap that exists between us and the top of the league, and that's a part of our journey and process. But there's 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 another aspect of that where we're not we're not we're not playing at our highest level in those moments in those games, and we're not capitalizing on the opportunities we have, and and I I believe that to be you know evidence of what we need in growth and mindset this all season. Um, but listen, the SEC is a challenge week in week out. You're going to play against the best. Um, 
you can't hope that the other team won't show up like and you can't hope that all of a sudden they're less skilled than you think they are i mean in the way the transfer portals working now in nil these these teams are reloading with you know better players every year so um we can't spend too much time and energy focusing on the opponent um this is another thing that i pulled from my experience at notre dame and i thought brian kelly was masterful this way but you know every 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 week is a big game um you know every week is a playoff game there and so um rather than focus on you know what trophy was you know was up for grabs that week or you know who the what rivalry game we were playing you, you just you step back and you focus on yourselves that's what we have to do um and um know that it, the, our our best opportunity to reach the goals that we have is by simply being being the best version of Vanderbilt football we can be. Um, and that has to be independent of who we're lining up against and playing. If I could follow up on that just real quick. I know you guys opened at Hawaii. Was there any thought given to playing a 13th game and getting opportunity at that sixth win to, to go to bowl? I know these decisions are made far in advance, but but yeah, what was I, kind of the balance of that? Um, I, I certainly, listen, uh, I didn't have anything to do with that game schedule in Hawaii. And had I, uh, with <laughs> coming off a 2-10 and 10 year, I, I don't know that I was – so excited to drive, to fly, excuse me, to Hawaii to open. Although, you know, that week ended up being something that was special to our team. We spent a week there and I felt like really connected with the island, the culture, um, and, um, and, and created some memories that we pulled through the season that were special. Um, I, I had no hand in, in 12 games or 13 games. I think the, the way the season lined up with two bye weeks was interesting. Um, and, um, you know, we, we tried to use it the best we could to, to build experience in the younger part of our roster, almost as you would in, in bowl practice. But, um, you know, I, I would love to have played another game with this team. I, I felt like we were, you know, we were kind of stepping into something late in the year. And then obviously that that got erased in the Tennessee game. I would have loved to have one more chance for it. But, you know, we weren't given that opportunity. You know, with uh, the SEC schedule, South Carolina, you played them each of the last two years, both games highly competitive. Uh, I think particularly the one down in Columbia a year ago. Notre Dame faces that Shane Beamer, who was another first-year Power 5 head coach that I talked to for that story. Um, you know, from a from a coach's point of view, could you use a, like a little bit of a scouting report on them? Like what, what were your keys going against them each of the last two years, um, you know, in, in terms of how you match up with Rattler, um, you know, what kind of style of defense they play, like what, what stands out as like the most important things when you're, you're matching up with South Carolina. Well, that was a team a year ago that, that looked different than they did this year. Um, obviously Rattler wasn't a part of that team in 21. Um, you know, we had a, we had a lead in that game and lost it on a, a two minute drive that was you know heartbreaking for us at the time but again a part of our journey and not something that we can undo Th this year you know it's interesting it's it's a really talented roster now i'm not sure where they are just because you know i i we're kind of living a bubble here but you know i i know they've had some some guys move on and, and maybe even some guys that aren't going to be playing in the game um that are talented players i felt like um you know Rattler has at times looked like the quarterback that, you know, he, he, he came out of high school uh, rated as, I mean, you know, he throws a really nice back shoulder deep ball when he's on time and in rhythm, he, 
you know, he, he'll, he'll deliver the ball and, and it's a very catchable pass. He'll create with his legs um, and um, extend plays that way. Yeah, I was impressed with him. I thought, you know, he was fighting for some consistency and the games where he was a little less consistent or, you know, they were able, you know, teams were able to move him off his mark or put pressure on him. You, you saw um, the performance slip, you know, um, I thought he had a, a really nice performance against us and, and, um, you know, I came away impressed. I think this is a, an offense that has um, big play potential. Um, you know, again, they were able to, they didn't have the running back in our game, but they, they created uh, formationally and um, did some interesting things with, um, you know, wildcat packages and, and uh, that, that, that caused us problems. Um, big um, physical skill on the perimeter um, that, you know, we, we didn't do a great job of tackling and they were able to run through some, some tackles and, and, and create that way. So again, I was impressed with them. I think it's a, a team that when they find their rhythm, obviously they, they were able to beat Tennessee in a, in a way that was, I think, opened some eyes to how talented this group is. Um, and then obviously I thought the, the uh, win, the come from behind win at Clemson showed the character of the team too. Uh, they're also a, a team that really thrived on, on solid special teams play. I mean, this is yeah. a group that, you know, that, that they create an advantage in that, in that phase. And we, we knew that going in, we were, you know, we were, we were wanting to win that phase to have a chance to win the game, but early on their wins in, in the league came on big plays, whether it's turnovers. Um, so, so, you know, creating turnovers, uh, or, you know, punt returns, kickoff returns, explosive plays and special teams kind of got them got was a spark that got them going and they were able to ride that through. I think success against them early would would go a long way in in, um, you know, in, in, in winning the mental matchup in the game. That was your guys best offensive performance against anyone not named Hawaii. What do you think you guys were able to do so effectively in that contest? We we established the run against them, and and um, you know there were there were a couple of um, you know opportunities for us to 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 hit on explosive pass plays, and we did it. You know we won one of our early touchdowns was a was a shot down the sideline that we we capitalized on, and we had a young young receiver Quincy Skinner that had a couple of touchdown catches in that game. But for us, it was about establishing a, a you know a physical run game and. And um, that that kind of gave us a, an opportunity to to um, you know limit the exposure on our defense to extend drives, and you know we were able to to then score in the red zone. So that was you know our run game got going against them, and that was a huge uh, boost to the offense in general. Yeah, I think defensively, Zach Pickens, one of their I think bigger defensive lineman is an opt out. Um, Cam Smith, who's Pickens was number six, and then Cam Smith, who's like their nickel, is an opt out as a, as an NFL draft guy. Are those, how how significant are those guys in, in terms of their structure defensively and in sort of what you're trying to attack or avoid uh, when you're playing against them? Yeah, I mean, I think they're those are you know those are big uh, losses for them. You know, and those are, that's going to create some some holes that, that, you know, I don't know what their depth looks like and, and how, you know, you know, how easily they'll, they'll fill those holes, but those are voids. Those are big players for them. And, um, you know, I know uh, zero on offense too is, is I think, um, in the portal, which he was, a he was a factor against us. So, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have to come up with the answers to, to, um, 
you know, to, to get through those losses. Um, you know, I think those things matter. And you watch Florida play Oregon State. You know, that Florida team was dealing with similar issues, departures and, and um, opt-outs that, um, you know, created just a, a situation where they, they, they weren't the same team that we played against. But, you know, that's part of the realities of bowl season. And, you know, I'm sure South Carolina has a plan to get through that. I, I neglected to mention Nick Valdisari's name when I was talking about all the Notre Dame connections. And I don't want him to get mad at me when he listens to this later. But it is signing day. He is your director of recruiting or signing week. You're on the brink of signing back-to-back top 45 classes. Hasn't been done in Vanderbilt in a long time. How has the recruiting game changed? What is Vanderbilt's philosophy with not just high school recruits, but mining the portal? And what are some of the things you can and can't do um, in this current climate where team players are switching teams left and right? We have to we have to have a, an environment here that people want to be a part of. So retaining our roster is as um, yeah, that, that's one way that we participate in the transfer portal. And I know it maybe sounds a little, um, maybe a little odd, but to me, you know, getting people back, the guys that we want back to come back to say yes means we're creating a healthy environment, a winning environment where they feel like they're challenged but supported. Um, and that that is a, a huge part of our formulas, uh, the roster retention, because at our, at our foundation, we're a developmental program, which just means we're going to reach on um, that raw material, length and speed, uh, documented length and speed range. You know, we may take some undersized frames and, and build them up through our our process here and uh, retaining people and in, in systems um, in and retaining language within the coaching staff. We feel like over three and four years that we develop a team that's going to be really challenging to play against. You know what 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 doesn't allow for that is when you're turning your roster over every year, obviously, or when you're turning your coaching staff over every year. And so we have to be intentional that way. Um, we will go into the portal, you know, we're, we're, um, that that's more to plug, plug holes. You know, again, we've been in our first two classes here. So we, we, we inherited, uh, the 20, uh, 21 class. So 2022 is the first that we signed as a staff. Um, we want to we want to bring in as many high school players as we can, especially early on in this build, because again, we're going to look up uh, a year from now and two years from now, and um, and see the the benefit of having um, made that our focus early on. You know, if we if we made the portal the priority a year ago, then we'd be sitting here with a team that would be again on the brink of losing a bunch of seniors, or you know, maybe having just lost a bunch of seniors. Now we got to plug a bunch of holes. We don't want to do that. You know, that's when I talk about not skipping steps, you know, that's what I mean. It, you know, we, I wish that, you know, we could go out and have it both ways, but we can't. And so for us, this is about going out, finding developmental frames, documented speed, growing them in our systems so that we can put, uh, you know, a really competitive team on the field and sustain success over time. It's, I mean, you mentioned sort of the documented size and speed. I mean, a guy that, was committed to Notre Dame, who is with you guys now, is Darren Aju, who, you know, is kind of a, a foreign born player, um, but 6'6, 240. Um, I, I was interested in terms of like just sort of his season, but also like, is that sort of the quintessential Vanderbilt recruit that you're looking for? Um, a guy who could play at, you know, a Notre Dame or a Michigan and sit, but can come to Vanderbilt and develop while playing. 
yeah, I, I, you know, what, what are the, what are the unique aspects of our, you know, what do we sell on the road? I mean, you know, this is about, you know, playing in the SEC and being on the field and, and playing through um, the early parts of your development. You don't have to wait your turn. That's, that's a part of the sell here. Um, with Darren, you have all those, that raw material. And obviously, you know, he, he played high school um, here in the States. Um, but you know, still there's, there's a, just a huge ceiling there and we're, we're, we're just early in scratching the surface. Um, and so we want to look for upside, you know, it's not always going to be that you're, you're flipping guys from, you know, other programs that, that obviously have success. There's also this idea that you can go out and find a, a player that, you know, maybe it's just under the line for whatever reason, because there, there's not the, the demonstrated size or, you know, again, it's a frame that hasn't yet filled out, but we can, we can find the explanatory variables there. This is why he hasn't filled out. Maybe he's playing for sports. Maybe he doesn't have the resources at his high school. And for us, those are opportunities to, to go grab a really talented player and then, and then build on that frame um to um you know to create an sec caliber player that that um you know will, will shine on the stage for years to come switching gears just a little bit um you know less than a week ago coach leach died you faced him last year last year i'm sure you've been in several sec meetings with him everyone has a favorite coach leach story <laughs> what's kind of your endearing memory of uh interacting with him you know it's just a guy that was he was never going to be anything other than himself. He had really unique opinions and thoughts. I think going through this, this current state of college football and hearing, you know, kind of him talk about, you know, what his angle was on it. I was always fun to, to listen to, but um, obviously, you know, I have a ton of respect for him as a football mind um, and, you know, he's going to be missed in our game. I think the thing that he, that he did was, you know, he, he shared himself with everyone and, you know, his unique press conferences, his, his little quirks, um, that everyone came to know and love, including me, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I respect the way he handled himself and he's going to be missed. I, I enjoyed our, um, midfield meeting before our game last year, um, immensely at the talking, you know, it's just a lot of fun. He's fun to talk to and, um, you know, again, I, we're going to go and celebrate him tomorrow in, in Starkville, but, um, a tough time for, for everyone who he's impacted and certainly for Mississippi state. And, um, you know, we've been, we've been thinking about those guys for sure. Um, last thing for me, Clark, I was just sort of interested, like, and you mentioned this in, in March when we talked about, like, you sort of look back in your time here and like, you learned a bunch from Brian Kelly that you were conscious of at the time. And now removed from working for him you sort of are learning again how much you learned that maybe you didn't know at the time like what are what are some of those lessons that you think have, under bk here that you think have served you best these these two seasons at vanderbilt yeah it's hard to it's hard to understand it's easy to be critical of things and to be judgmental of things hard to understand and, and again i don't while i was going through that at notre dame i i recognize the, the positives and what we were doing. And obviously we were experiencing results that showed that too. Um, but when you're, when you're a defensive coordinator, I mean, you're consumed um, every, every hour of every day with 
how you're going to stop people. What are the structures and systems that you need to be developing to give your team the best chance? So you don't really process all the bigger picture things that are going on. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that I loved about working for coach Kelly was he, he gave you autonomy to, to, to coach your side of the ball. Now there were explicit expectations, you know, and, and obviously we can, we can laugh because if you fell short, you know, you were going to hear about it, but frequently, I mean, he and I, I I'll, I'll never forget early on. I mean, he, yeah, it, it was one of those things where I had made my career as a linebacker coach and I was taking on this bigger responsibility of being a coordinator. And in early that first spring, um, there were a couple of instances where he, um, you know, he and I had challenging conversations where I, you know, in hindsight, I know what he was doing. In hindsight, I know he was, he was testing me. He was challenging me to see, kind of what my ability was to to um to be convicted and to to adjust and adapt or to come back at him or you know he wanted to make sure that attention to detail was a part of my process and so for example if if chase claypool was going against the walk-on corner and one-on-ones like i was going to hear about that right and so um you know and 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 so what it what it taught me was to have my hands in everything and not to micromanage but to make sure that it was clear you know, that we had detail in what we were doing. We weren't going out and wasting time. Um, you know, obviously I, I think as I, as I was there and he and I developed a really a, a close relationship, I recognized those moments less as, as moments where he was, um, upset with me, but more as moments where he was trying to build something into me, you know, and, and taking on the responsibility of coordinator, you're managing more people and you have to, you have to grow, you have to adjust to, to be, to be capable of doing that. So this job becomes the ultimate and, and how you manage people. I mean, I, you know, you know, so having people around you that you trust, again, if you look at his, this makeup of his staff at Notre Dame, there are a lot of people that had been around him for a long time. You know, when I had an opportunity after this, the first season to, to go out and to, to kind of fill, you know, about four, four positions on my staff, I, I went and found guys that it wasn't just about being close to them, but it was about, um, you know, proven expertise and, and, and a trust in their abilities. But, you know, I wanted people that knew that I knew and that knew me and that were going to fight for me as we built this program. That was important. Um, I think also just the manner in which, you know, coach Kelly would, would stay involved in everything so you know we had autonomy on our sides but you know when it when it came down to game planning he and i would you know i'd go in on tuesday and he'd have some thoughts you know he, he always had an opinion had a thought stayed active and involved and and those are things that's a skill you know it's easy to you know to assign people responsibility then blame them if it falls short his 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 willingness to like roll his sleeves up and be in the fight with me, you know, that, that meant a lot to me because in the moment in the game where you got to make the adjustment, you want to know that you have the faith of the head coach, the confidence of the head coach to do it. You know, he was, I thought, masterful that way. And I, I worked with BK in a moment where he, he was evolving and mm-hmm. that experience too. And Pete, we've talked about that before. Like, yeah, I think I learned a lot from him about not being so stubborn, you know, so as to not see your own, 
deficiencies. You know, here's a guy who was, and I, you know, the first time I spoke to Coach Kelly was like at 11.30 a.m. on my first day of work at South Bend. It was the first time he and I had a conversation. He came to the room and we, you know, introduced himself to me. And I had come as Mike Elko's kind of plus one. Um, and I had been vetted out. You know, people had, had dug in and they knew who they were getting. But, you know, that was my first interaction with them. And in the end, like, you know, I, w- I was going into it concerned about whether or not my coaching style would fit with his what I, what I was like so excited to find out was here was a guy who was evolving late in his career, who, who was, um, who was really interested in, um, a positive coaching environment and coaches that would take time to build relationships that move players forward. Um, and, and, and so, you know, I, I really celebrated the fact that I was a part of that, you know, evolution within his own career. And lastly, I'll just say, um, you know, coach, he, he was, you know, he, he's, I always think about him when I'm, when I've got an issue here, because at that job at Notre Dame, you know, there are so many people that have, you know, a hand in or an interest in what's going on. And, um, I mean, he, he's endured, um, you know, so many big issues over his time or endured over his time there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a toughness involved in in never bending to those you know whatever crisis it is that you're going through um he had an incredible ability to keep his stern straight and to not change through those sequences and we changed uh, quarterbacks this year you know we went through this right you know, it was four games into the season and we we made a change and i called coach because in 2018, you know, it was Brandon Wimbush was undefeated. And I think it'd gone like 13 and three as the starter. Yeah. And and going into the Wake Forest game, they made the decision to go to Ian Book. And I, I wanted to pick his brain on how he navigated that, how he handled that. Because, again, that was an example of him making a hard decision, but doing what was best for the program. And, and um, you know, those are things that, that I admire and respect about him. And, again, I continue to use him as a resource for me because – this is a tough job and tough people excel at it. And we have to, you know, I've got, I've got to thicken my skin a little bit and make sure that I'm doing everything I can do to help this program move forward. Just a quick follow up to that. Are you reminded in those conversations with him that this guy actually was a college linebacker, despite being a quote unquote offensive guy. And I guess it's the inverse of you, right? You were an offensive guy in college who grew up as a defense coordinator. Fine, <laughs> Matt to say that I was a offensive player. <laughs> You know, it was the, I was the garbage man on on offense, but um, yeah, one of my like a couple of my favorite moments with Coach that I'll I will always remember were like times when he would come in and we would I loved talking defensive football, but he wouldn't talk defensive football with me from an offensive coach's perspective. He loved to share with me what he did when he was the defense court. I think it like grand Valley, maybe I, you know, yes. Um, and it was, and I, and he, it was, you know, his memory and like, you know, Hey, this is what we used to do. I remember playing Northwestern and they had, they had a receiver that they, that they, they featured on third down. And he, he came in and, and showed me this cover three that they ran where they, they eliminated 
they played man on that one receiver and played thirds around it. And it was a three man rush and um, they called it star or whatever. And so guess what we had in our game plan? We had star and, and uh, we ran it and it worked. The other thing I loved would be when um, he was showing me technique and he would get in like defensive positions, uh, like, you know, pads down. And, um, and those are always special conversations, but he was so fun. And I think once, once I, kind of proved myself to him and and we we kind of you know i was able to kind of get my footing to where he was we had some fascinating conversations the usc game uh that would have been 2019 where we where we you know they had gone to the air raid and we were we were um they had some really talented receiver skill um devising a game plan i you know he and i spent a lot of time on that at any time we played stanford we had a ton of conversations around you know, how to best defend certain schemes, certain challenges, North Carolina in 2020, which was a really high powered offense. Um, I can remember going into him talking about motion adjustments on the goal line and how do we best, um, you know, do you run with it? Do you bump it? Um, he always had good perspective. So I, I always appreciate it. And then, you know, because he was a defensive guy, you know, he understood it. One of the things I took from him is like, if the process to get you to the call was right, then you live with the result. Um, and if you need to change the process, you change the process. If you're just if you're just spitballing things, then you know you're gonna you're gonna get your ass ripped. Is what's gonna happen. But that unfortunately, <laughs> like I was the ultimate in like setting up the process and procedure. So he and I really connected on that level. And and um, yeah, we had a lot of fun, man. It was a good time. Good time of life. All right. Now, this is really the last question. I'm going to put you on the spot. When are we going to see Notre Dame Vanderbilt Shamrock Series at the new uh, Titan Stadium, whenever that is finished? I love that, Pete. You know, I'm going to go to work on this as soon as we get off that this call. But one of the things BK said to, to the team after the Alabama game in 20 was that he was going to get Vanderbilt on the schedule. Now, of course, he didn't. You know, we, we never got to that point where he was there, but it needs to happen. Pete, I, I like it. I like the way you're thinking. Yeah. I know I think what you want. You guys you are supposed to. You were supposed yeah, to play I, in Rome a couple of years ago, weren't you? Yeah, I, I don't need. I don't need you guys to come up here. I need me to be able to go down there. <laughs> there, there That's was right. talk about the 2018 game going to Rome way back when. You know, it, it didn't happen. I, I'd like to be. Uh, I'd like to be one of the, the Ireland trips. Let's do that. Or you know, I missed out on that in 20 because. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, well, well, we uh, we we'll do, do a live, live show pilot. there, and you can, <laughs> you can call come in. board. Yeah, it's good. I like that. I don't know if you have anything going on in week zero next season. But, he had uh, Hawaii this year. I'm not going to yeah. cry for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we got Hawaii uh, in 23 at our place, so I'll sign up for that one. The, the ten-hour flight was not, was, you know, the only thing worse than the ten-hour flight last fall was when I had ten hours on the plane with Brian Polian and had to. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we could talk about that one off air. Wow. Why me and me and Coach Polian uh and uh a lot of sleeping. I think usually yeah. the middle seats. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, Clark, we appreciate you uh making the time on this busy week. Congrats on the season, getting Vanderbilt moving in a, a positive direction. I think it uh for a lot of people around Notre Dame Vanderbilt is sort of like now their second team. Um, so I think you've got uh, a little bit of a outpost of Notre Dame fans are also cheering on the Commodores. So we appreciate you taking some time for us today. It means a lot. And again, I always uh, reflect on our time as a family there with, with great affection. So good to be with you guys. Good to see you. 
And, um, and again, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you.